Yeah, we're making it. We're missing Vieira. What's up, everybody? Oh, yeah, we are. Welcome to Thug Crowd Radio. Please listen to this important disclaimer in its entirety. All participants of this Thug Crowd Radio episode are characters. I just want to know. And the stories told during these episodes are based on facts, truth, or reality. All works of fiction displayed during this episode that resemble real-life situations are coincidental and are not meant to serve as guides or tutorials to commit any crimes in any country. Please consult an attorney for local laws and regulations. And as always, trust your inner criminal. Time for another rip roaring episode of Thug Crowd, my favorite podcast. <laughs> uh, podcast for sure, definitely. Hell yeah! Oh wait, where's uh Hayden He's in here? Uh, yeah, there he is. Sorry, Nadia. Oh snap! There you are. My oh, bad, Nadia. I'm Hi, back. Nadia. How's um, it going? <laughs> uh, it's going good. We just uh, went live, and we are here. Um. So yeah, tonight we have a lot of news. I, I realize this as we're dumping stuff into the news channel, how much news is generated this week because it's also interesting. Um, Real quick so, before the news starts, though, man, what about that DVD thing? Is that is it going to hit the corner? Yeah. So this is this is a two-hour loop of the DVD uh, thing, and supposedly, well, actually, I know that there are two instances in which this uh. um, hits the corner. And so if anybody is able to identify those two points, or either any point, uh, will get their name uh, displayed on our screen for the rest of the show. So <laughs> comments uh, to find it, you're you're not doing it right. Yeah, um, I mean this this restart is... it so they can't tell where it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's been it's been playing for a little bit, and it should eventually also loop. I don't know if there'll be three instances of it, but yeah, this this will find out. definitely something that if you are keen enough of an eye, uh, you'll be able to see. Also, this is something I used to do all the time as well, and as many people have, <laughs> just one of those one of the life's simple pleasures, just sit and watch everything float around. <laughs> Bad DVD though, like when you don't hit play to rewatch some terrible movie, you're like, I'm just gonna watch this animation. Absolutely. And you just do something more fun. fun than watching. Uh... Actually, I don't think it did just hit the corner because it, yeah, the first, I know the times of them. So it should have already hit it once before I even started streaming. So um, give it a little bit and you'll see. It's, there's, a couple of, there's a couple of close ones. I, wa- I almost watched this whole thing um, in its entirety. So like that one right there just happened. Was not a real one. That was a fake out, classic fake out. Um, <laughs> Excellent. But oh yeah, 
Um, so, okay. But yeah, um, tonight we're going to be talking with uh, Nadia here, who is a journalist who writes uh, on industry news and other cultural topics. Uh, and he's going to talk, us, talk to us about being a journalist and the techniques and attitude that you have as a journalist that is similar to the hacker mindset and some of the ways that he has employed um, some techniques to get more information. Um, so yeah, excited to hear about that at 10.30 or in an hour. Um, but how's everybody's weekend this weekend? Anyone doing really cool? quick, actually, for me. I don't know about you guys. So much bug fixing. What's up, guys? Oh, mine was mine was quite interesting. You know, we had the nice little power outages. Uh, oh yeah, did you yeah. have that Did you have the barbecue you were talking about? Well, see, I I ended up uh, making some nice ribs here for myself, and I ended up eating it all myself because I'm a fat ass. <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, what better excuse? <laughs> Good on you, man. Than to for that, you know, power outage. Well, I guess it actually made me, you know, it makes you actually have to cook, you know. Normally, that would have just sat there for like another month. <laughs> just as long as you take the garbage out occasionally, you can survive for months with just DoorDash. <laughs> or diabetes yeah. dash, as I call it. Diabetes dash. <laughs> weekend. Uh, my weekend, let's see. Uh, probably close to an international manhunt. That was pretty cool. Um, I don't know. Do tell. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe maybe, maybe, at, at all. maybe after hours. Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, guess how I started all my sentences. I just go. Uh, started selling antennas. Actually, uh, send in a order for uh, new PCBs for a uh, little quick circuit that actually makes uh, blinky light things go at fourteen hertz for funnies, funsies. So yeah, actually pretty productive. Blinking lights or blinking LED, uh, blinking, blinking IR LEDs? LEDs for uh, traffic light funsies. Don't do it. It's I'm dead. Do it. Wait, like a Mert for traffic light, did you say? Fire hesitation systems. Oh, fun. That's really yeah. cool. Oh, you're getting one. Nice. Uh, so if we put these on our stack hats on our bike helmets while we uh, rollerblade down the streets of New York, it'll be just like the movies. <laughs> Yeah. Wonder what would happen if you put it on a crown vest. Hmm. So we get pager, so that might require a little bit there. <laughs> nice, just a full recreation of the of the infamous movie. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um so yeah. Um oh, so uh we should start off with some oh I also I meant to say too, uh <laughs> we are going to be offering our very own um C L S S P cert. Um, so keep a lookout for that very soon. <laughs> uh, That's one of my favorite things that we're doing. <laughs> the alternative to the CISSP, uh, which now stands for the Capital I Substitution Security Professional. Um, so just, uh, that's a homograph attack and it's ours. <laughs> and one. it's a homograph attack that might actually get you temporarily employed until they figure it out. And then yeah, uh, cool. things go really bad. <laughs> Yeah, we'll give you, we'll print out uh, some certifications real nice, um, look very, you know, professional. And then, um, yeah, LinkedIn and everything, <laughs> your Twitter bio. Um, yeah, be CLSSP. I really hope that we can have some form of, uh, if, if, we, if people can earn CPEs towards the actual CISP, oh, I think that would be well, double good. 
just by some good shit posts, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, you can imagine getting the CPEs for watching our podcast. That's actually the qualifications <laughs> for our So you get uh, two hours um, and then a half an hour if you watch the uh, pre-show. Uh, it's, a, it's a requirement. It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> One pre-show is a requirement. Uh, the rest are optional. So, uh, yeah, we'll have all the full terms of service uh, coming soon. All right, let's get into the news. But what I did with the news this week was try to divide it up into specific sections um, that is basically, I'm trying to, to make it so that we can do, we can focus on one topic, like general sort of topic, and then talk about news within that. And then if it, you know, kind of goes on too long, we can move ahead to the other ones. Um, I definitely so like to just make it a little bit easier. There's a huge volume of news this week, so let's get into it. Um, so yeah, I posted the show notes in the Twitch chat, and I also I posted them. I'll post them again in general here. Or voices, voice. Um, so in case anybody has not seen yet. Um, so yeah, let's start off with the cyberpunk dystopia IRL category. <laughs> um, so you guys saw this um, this police forcing me to install the spyware app. How do I minimize the impact? Thing. Oh. Wow, what the hell? Yeah, so there's there's this uh, apparently like police in China are forcing whole cities to install an Android spyware app um, and stopping people in the streets and detaining people who refuse to install it. Wow. Well, in my opinion, like when you get a phone shipped out to you, just assume that the feds intercepted it at the post office. And... Yeah, you would assume that, but wait a minute, it, this is like this is actually surprising to me that they have to do this measure. You would assume Huawei and all that is already kind of compromised, so that's interesting. Uh, I mean, it's not 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 assume. Like the thing is, we've seen evidence that their infrastructure is owned. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Though, like you would think that they don't need to have the police sitting there bullying uh, people in the middle of the street, and yet here we are. Yeah, well, Maybe. no, I think um. It's like one thing to say about Chinese manufacture, though, that, you know, that they're the master of replicating other items. So why hasn't somebody made a, uh, you know, an app that, so like, for example, when you get your train ticket or bus ticket or whatever checked by an inspector, they look at it and they're like, yeah, that's a valid ticket. And then they sort of move on. Like, how is, uh, how are they, are they visually inspecting it? Are they like, oh, you have the app installed or is there some sort of NFC they need to tap against or? It'd be interesting to have like a, a replicated app that would perform yeah, that yeah. validation. You know, we really do need to get a plug uh, from over there that can that can get us all this stuff to play with because we talk about it every week almost about something or another coming up, and um, I think it'd be really fun if we could like get a hold of some of these APKs and uh, other apps, you know, and actually use them firsthand. And then yeah, yeah, definitely. the shit out of them secondhand. Up, get up in that blue stacks. So yeah, the next one related to China too um, was pretty interesting as well. So it was the Google suppressing a memo that reveals plans to closely track uh, user searches in China. And so basically it would be a, there's this code, code named project uh, Dragonfly that uh, users basically would have their location and searches tracked um, and like give it and point to that to a specific user, um, like your email. And um, this 
partner of theirs, of Google's, would have uh, unilateral access to the data. And so they're trying to um, suppress it basically by telling everybody that they have to delete the memo and all this, um, but people what? don't care about it. Wait. So Google's not pushing back on the thing. They're pushing back on the fact that the fucking memo is getting released. Yeah. Unbelievable. Google, yeah. Come on. <laughs> so uh, pretty interesting. I mean, it, it just, it, I don't know. It's, it sucks. Cause it's just like, what do you do at this point? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, China. You're such a big player. How do you push back against an mm -hmm. entire country that's that powerful, you know, especially with the amount of trade they control and all that. Yeah. I just want to point you, you out just this... do it. You just do it. You push back. Well, in this I, article, right? uh, the head of security at Google, Chris uh, Rakow, that's how you say his name, described himself, blah, blah, blah. And uh, a former U.S. Navy SEAL, I'll have you know that I graduated the top of my class. <laughs> oh, wait, no, did he really say that? Yeah, it's, it's uh, near the bottom. It's the third last paragraph. How many confirmed kills does he have? Oh, more than you, buddy. Marketing data is essentially citizen data, though. Yeah. You know, advertising data is citizen data. Yeah, agreed. It's too bad, man. Yeah, any kind of telemetry, really, just, and I know, like, my voice right now isn't going to make it out to that many people that are, are making decisions about this kind of stuff. But seriously, even, even little things that we do, like if you don't have to log stuff, don't log it, man. Cause then you just, you're potentially becoming a source in the future. Hey, um, no logs, no crime. Well, yeah, no evidence, no crime. Sure. That's a real thing though. Right? Like the IP, echo backer thingy that i did i purposely i have zero logs on it i can't even debug log it and that resulted in a lot of swearing uh to try and fix it but man if if bigger companies like tech companies started taking that mindset of let's absolutely not collect this yeah uh, i think I it's uh, hard for google though <laughs> well there was um like some ideas that you know we used to throw around back in the day of cd roms of just you know why don't we boot all our web servers off cd of you know of read-only media and mm -hmm. um serve it out and then you know put the set the box to reboot on cron every however and then that's it like what do you you're gonna have to have physical access and do some cold boot memory shit if you want to do any forensics on it you know i think the problem is it's just it's too sexy to keep an aggregate of all of your log data and there's all these cool splunk index uh transforms you can make and it, we kind of become blinded by this accessibility, and then all of a sudden we're we're actually collecting, and it's being used for something evil. All of a sudden. Not to mention that there's like a general push towards like big data and what you can do with data and how you can better serve your users with data and like this and that. Yeah, exactly. You're seeing so many people go into data science, and it's it's like it's unfortunately it's the world we're like moving into is like so very heavily data focused yeah yeah it's too bad um by the way i just got to point out really quick before we get too far uh past it viper bite noticed it hit the corner and i he he got it right at the same time that i think it actually hit the corner in uh twitch chat 
Um, and you know what? Probably right. Actually, yeah. you are right. I, I saw. I saw... <laughs> <laughs> what does he win? <laughs> um, tell him at the end of the show or tell him now? <laughs> I was just put his name on the screen. Okay. Uh, yeah, do it up. Viper bite and leap speed. Um, <laughs> Viper bite, I'll give you something. I'm not making it weird. Actually, I just got some shit. I like some beta testers, so I'll just send you something if that's chill. Sweet. Yes. Give us your address. Dox yourself. Yep. Also, I hope you're in the anime. About PO boxes or anything. Just give me your home address. I'll send you a baggie of random Radio Shack uh, components. That's actually kind of hard to find these days over here. If you could send me a random pack of uh, Radio Shack components, that'd be awesome. Some ten. Hey, we, we could do a weekly yeah. giveaway for a month of <laughs> Radio Shack components. Oh, wow. That, yeah. All right. Let's do this. It's a good vehicle to get rid of our extra equipment. We can. Uh, we can get a whole bunch of uh, resistors and. and uh, we can let you know we can we can tag them up and bag them up and we can send them out as an organized resistance i gotta mention uh fred f 1969 they both they both said it at the same time oh was this the time that we that was before i don't know like, man i think confirmed. this should have been i so it was really I re- like... the exact times that it happens because then <laughs> I will, but i know when i started the stream and it's either at this point now you know what? I'll just put them both up here. Yeah, yeah let's do that. Because they, they do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where is that? I definitely have been watching. I gotta admit, I've been watching the fucking thing. Like, oh, hey. It's an easy thing to watch. <laughs> um, yeah, on the eyes. Yeah, it actually There's a whole did. episode of The Office on that. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's um let's get us to the next thing. Actually, Zuff, do you want to talk about this real quick? Because you just said that your uh, hardening guide is uh, addresses this issue. This is the um, Windows is recording every keystroke on devices with handwriting recognition enabled. Yeah, so um, they do do this. It's obviously not remediated in most enterprise environments because nobody with half a brain, oh, I mean, that lacks a brain is going to do this. Um, but yeah, if you if you're worried about your personal devices or even your work devices, I do have a hardening guide on my blog that goes through this stuff, and it actually remediates um, this issue and this logging. This is something they're collecting. Um, again, even going into the next topic, like Apple is quietly giving people trust scores. It's the same thing. Um, what's really sad is like I think from a nation state level, is we're slowly seeing ourselves become China or take note from China. Wait, what did you say about trust scores though? Well, the next the next topic was about Apple and trust scores for people, oh. just kind of like China's doing on a nation state level. But um, right on my blog, it's uh, nomtechbytes.com. But you go in there, there's a hardening guide for Windows 10 on 1803, which is the latest build, and it actually remediates this. There is no file logging your keystrokes or logging anything for that matter. I think there's like 480 domains within Windows on a default install that are tracking certain things you're doing. So man, and you made a thing to to get rid of all of it. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'll plug it in chat real quick. Yeah, definitely. We'll retweet it after the show too. That's uh, that's good stuff. Hardening guides, you know, everybody's like, oh, at least I know when I've looked at them, uh, it's something that you're like, well, somebody's already probably done this, but it's always good to do your own. 
because you you'll first of all learn something but going through your repo i guarantee i'm going to learn some stuff tonight when i look at it i think with uh hardening as well it's one of those things where i always like to think uh if if i was the attacker what what would really piss me off like if i can yeah. you know if i can't access like slash proc would i be mad like yeah i'd be pretty mad okay good <laughs> yeah think about like every every ctf you've done and and uh you know vulnerable or vuln hub image or whatever like all the different things that have just pissed you off so bad. You're like, I'll put that in next time. I'll make sure that there's no SCID on any um, on any platform. <laughs> mm -hmm. sure like that. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, the next one here though, the Apple is quietly giving people trust scores is interesting. It's something that I, when I was reading it, I wasn't sure if, like I, I see the point, but at the same time, I also see where it could be misused in a way. So basically what they're trying to do is give trust scores on your, based on your like calls, emails, um, you know, your usage uh, to see how trustworthy you are. But I mean, when people doing, they said that it's trying to mitigate fraud and they don't really give specific reasons, but I mean, there's a lot of fraud that happens through like the Apple store and through money laundering for all sorts of scams and weird crap like that. And so I feel like it, it it might be a little too ahead of its time, I guess, to be able to properly implement. But at the same time, I see why it's happening. So I don't know if you guys have any opinions on that. It just seems like a cover-up story when you're talking about, like, do, you know, having a resolution for fraud. It's just bullshit. Yeah, I know. They want as much info as possible. This is me oh, ab absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what the, that's what the, the you know, privacy advocate in me says but then also i know that people do like itunes gift card fraud and like apple store gift card fraud and stuff like that and like people just pump a lot of stuff through there um but the the weird thing is like the, the sort of these the calls and emails like the approximate number of calls and emails is one of the metrics that's being used to compute your trust score so i don't really understand mm. It's kind of like how like Hotmail and Gmail and all these like email providers have been doing the same sort of thing for you know a while now. Yeah, I, it's it's an interesting one. I don't know what the exact motive is, or if it's listed in the story. This is one story I didn't get a chance to look at, but there's not there's not a lot of motive for them to collect, other than potentially to try and start uh, clamping down on the. You know how there's the spear phishing uh, stuff to get your iCloud credentials, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, this could very well be tied in with that. Um, but again, I'm not terribly sure. I haven't looked at it. Yeah. I mean, with collecting the score as well, it could be related to um, uh, using Apple Pay and stuff like that. You know, so if you're a known fraudster, maybe Apple Pay won't be available to you. Yeah. Um, or it'll be extra available because you're bringing <laughs> yeah. in money. <laughs> of course. Um, so yeah, the next uh, part of this of our new segment is uh, the vulns and bugs category. Um, so the first story here, I when I first saw it, because the site that it posted on, I'd never seen lols.com before. So I hadn't seen it anywhere else really, but we'll read the kernel mailing list. This is about the Linux developers who are threatening to pull the kill switch on Linux in response to the code of conduct 
um, issues that they've been having. Oh so God. basically, there are people who do not agree with the code of conduct because I, their point is that they don't want to have any sort of arbitrary like, flavor of the month, in their view, rules um, that would dictate how they talk to each other and communicate on the kernel mailing list because ultimately they only care about if someone's code is good or not, right? So, mm. but the thing that they are threatening the Linux Foundation with is um, copywriting all of their contributions and just dipping out, which would mean that any future releases of the kernel would have to not have that code and have that code rework into it. Uh, and they can even do that. Yeah, yeah, they, well, yeah, they can. They can retroactively copyright yep. some shit. I don't think so. There's no yeah, fucking way. It's, it's part of the license. Um, the, the, the GPL two. Wow. The GPL two does allow for it. The GPL three apparently has a clause that doesn't allow for it. But if okay, but so there's at least another iteration that they have to go through before they're able to do some kind of shit like that. Because that that would just be insanity. Like yeah. Could, like it and it sounds like it is insanity like we're on the apparently on the verge of an entire distro or entire flavor of unix going away because of um Wait, sjw yeah well because of a petty fight that it's has not even nothing, about that. nothing to do with technology it has something to do with social issues yeah right and that's that's where like social issues of like common uh thrown their way into technology yet again but it's too, bad. it's too bad that there's these issues exist even in the first place like i don't understand why we keep having to drag our our, our opinions into stuff like this when we can just get along and code cool shit yeah i mean that was the real point that i saw which is like i know people i didn't want to get into the argument of like you know Who's right? And who's, uh, right. Yeah. who's the triggered person or not? Whatever. But the the thing that I the point that is made that I, that actually resonates is that they don't care about like they've been work people who've been kernel devs for a long time, right? They don't they don't like they meet up like they I know there's conferences, but the most people make their contributions. They don't necessarily know who they're working with. They might know their GitHub, but they don't like right. know their political beliefs. They don't give a shit about that. The only thing they actually care about is whether or not their code fixes the kernel or adds a feature that is needed, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it just, it's kind of like in that code of world, there's like, there's no like, there's no bullshit. It's just like a, you know, you put up or shut up. Like you either make something that works or you don't. That's and so I, I feel like that it just, it, it, I see their anger, but I also understand where the code of conduct is coming from because of the notorious like flaming that happens on the mailing list. But it, it also is a, the biggest open source project in the world so i can yeah. see why there would be some sort of flaming um going on so it, it's, sure. it's tough. I, can, I can see both sides but what sucks is that it could result in people literally just imagine if somebody who writes any sort of like kernel security stuff just bounces and then just oh, like there's just no aslr just does not work anymore like yeah. stuff like that well I, I mean i don't know if anybody doesn't know at this point that our power grid all of our critical infrastructure relies on all this stuff like the, it's not a small deal this is you know depending on what they can actually accomplish like pulling code wise this could really have a lot of big problems 
this isn't a, a bad time to mention the uh, ICS villages in DC tomorrow and Thursday, just to talk about uh, the grid's security <laughs> for um, hack the capital. Them so, and uh, Dragos, if I ain't mistaken. So, is it, are you guys going to try and address the, uh, the all of the social issues that exist in the world to make everybody happy? So. There's some problems, <laughs> apparently, that needs to be done. No, I, I think they're focusing on the uh, ITOT, more physical aspect side, but uh, there's a little bit oh. of that in there, too, I'm sure. Amazing. Yeah, um, just code of conduct. Like, the, the number one national security defense we can have in the cyber domain is a code of conduct um, because our enemies respect codes of conduct. Yeah, for real. And social right? justice is really the number one thing <laughs> in warfare is social justice. So feelings are important, and... Yeah. Um, our, our enemy absolutely uh if we don't spell it out in a code of conduct they're not going to play by our rules it's too bad that it it's such an easy target to make fun of because it is kind of ridiculous in a way but at the same time there's people that are are trying to do they're, they're trying to do something with the right thing in mind right like they're, they think yeah. that they're doing the best thing that they should be doing but it's the ramifications of it i think are maybe not fully thought out but yeah. we have seen uh in in kernel comments and stuff like that uh there was nazi you know racist comments and stuff that were pulled the comments themselves were pulled but the code yeah. stayed right pull the comments because yeah the code <laughs> i'm not advocating for it obviously i'm not a big fan of nazis at all if you've ever interacted with me um but yeah. it's a. Uh, you know, pull that bullshit out and keep it out. I mean, uh, I find I find some of this comes from like it's just I don't want to like generation war or anything on young people, but a lot of young people come out of like institutionalized learning and work environments where there's always there's always a, the man that you can complain to, and then you come into open source where there's no particular boss that you can escalate complaints to, and like Linux kernel world. Who's the, who's the boss of that? Like, is it Linus himself? Well, de facto, he becomes kind of the boss character and people escalate stuff to him, social justice issues, complain about really mundane stuff. And he's totally not the boss at all, like, except yeah. ideologically, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes and, and people, right. people try to enforce like these codes of conduct. You know, there's, there's some kind of authority that will punish you if you don't obey these rules. And it doesn't kind of work in like open source communities where it's like leaderless kind of like, it's kind of like trying to find the head of anonymous to complain about something that anonymous is doing. Um, but if you think it's all like, uh, it's too bad. Shit, sorry. We gotta, we gotta move forward as a fucking society and instead of getting our feelings hurt at everything. And we got to stop trying to hurt each other's feelings too. Cause it's, it's both issues. Yeah, but I think if you look at uh, some comments from from Linus on the mailing list, where he said uh, straight out, you know, he called Spender and, and, and GRSEC, he called, he, he called them a pack of clowns. How do you think clowns feel? Oh come on! Yeah, I get you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you have to level, you know, I have a a hard, heavy feeling in my heart for clowns, and you bring it there every time. <laughs> <sighs> Can't we just code? Like, Check your text messages, code? Dan. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, the, another bug uh, slash vault slash shit show is this new Firefox browser bug that causes crashes on Windows, Mac, and Linux. 
um, that was released by, um, who is this? Um, crap, what is his name? <laughs> uh, Hadoosh. Um, but yeah, uh, if you see in the, in the, the show notes, you can see the article. Um, basically, it's a it's a script that generates a uh, file that has a very long file name, and it um, tries to download once every one millisecond, <laughs> and therefore it uh, floods the um, like the like interprocess communication between um, Firefox's processes, and it just makes the browser really explode. Makes you wonder who thought this was a good idea at one millisecond. Honestly, well, that's, I mean that, that's just that's something that no one's ever probably thought of, you know, or people have, but they're just like, oh, no one's gonna do this because this is stupid. But then you don't realize that it's actually just local DOS that should be considered. Yeah, I um, think it's interesting though that um, in various scenarios where taking advantage of that IPC uh, causes the the actual machine to have issues, so. Um, does it maybe that uh, is leaning towards a, a further bug in spamming IPC? I don't know. Maybe it's just crashing every one millisecond because it's throwing it at the log file we were talking about earlier. Well, those, yeah. are, <laughs> just kidding. those are all the platforms though, where, um, you know, just anything with a long file name and, uh, you know, very fast uh, stuff is the source of race conditions and other random things that might destroy a browser. Yeah, um, play with that. There's actually, I think, did you release the POC? I mean, I'm sure you can build it yourself. It tells you how to do it. Um, yeah, have fun, kid. Um, the next one is the uh, Windows Zero Day that affects all versions of Windows. Um, this was released by, was this the one that was released by, yeah, Trend Micro. Um, and they released a POC, which is in our show notes. Um, cool. so it was like, CDI one? Yeah. Yeah, so the JET database file um, that is basically a buffer overflow that can cause uh, an out-of-balance memory write and lead to RCE. So I don't know. What do you guys think about that? It affects all versions of Windows that are currently supported. That's pretty. It's pretty a uh, large amount of Windows. Pretty disgusting that they didn't uh, remediate it within 120 days. Yeah, to be honest, you'd think that'd be high up on the list of development, yeah. but. <laughs> Yeah, they have a 120-day deadline, and they didn't um, patch it after that deadline, and so they just released it because they could. So this yeah. looks uh, like kind of the like the POC looks like something that you could uh, embed into a JPEG and dump into a Discord, like you know Snapchat we've would. seen that. Well, actually, you wouldn't do it on Snapchat because you don't. <laughs> but yeah, either way, there's a lot of different payloads that you could do um, do it on, and Word is definitely one of them. Yeah. Because that would be uh, loaded actually in a local um, file cache on your computer. So uh, I wonder, is there a full list of uh, products of the, where Jet resides? Uh, well, it's a, a, the effective products listed is just all current versions of Windows, so like Windows Seven, yeah. 8, and and then all the servers uh, from 2008 to 2016. If only we had like, if only Windows was open source, we could answer that question. But unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, Microsoft owned GitHub. Windows will be open source like as soon as it's the year of the Linux desktop. Didn't they open source well, a decent portion of it though? Don't tell jokes like that. I mean, <laughs> we we half joke, but like I I run Bash on Windows 10 all the time and SSH directly from. I mean, re realistically, there's not a whole lot of difference these days. 
with like yeah. Docker, Docker Win 10 servers and stuff. Um, they're, uh, I, I didn't think it would happen in my lifetime, but I have to say they seem to be embracing open source a little bit. Who knows? Yeah. I'm a big fan of, of the bash on Windows too. It's been a lifesaver instead of having to use putty all the time. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, you young, you young guys never had to use Sigwin back in the day, but people used to make <laughs> fun of me for using for using Sigwin on Windows, and now everybody's using a version of Sigwin. Uh, I, uh, I saw no. that shit still upcoming, like probably no more than a year ago. I saw people still using that. It's funny, yeah. man. Yeah, Sigwin I mean, was like my lifesaver back then. It was like, ah, oh, yes, I, I have no idea where this click button is, but I have a bash shell. Give me that. Yep. <laughs> Right click bash shell here anywhere in Windows and it just blows like Linux hackers' minds that you can do that. Um, it's fun. Linux hackers. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I just <laughs> really felt like saying that. <laughs> we saw your cereal earlier. You know why? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Got to tweet that out. Uh, so the next uh, bug that we got here is the thousands of WordPress sites that were backdoored with malicious code. Um, Keeps happening over and over again. Wow. Yeah. I mean, at this point, can, can we just like, can we put WordPress in like the struts category and the yeah. flash category? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, basically there were backdoored these sites. Um, there's actually a Google dork that you can um, read to actually see there's like a Actually, Shell, were you the one who found this in the string from Charcode, um, that search engine for it? Yeah, it's the public uh, www search or something like that. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, <laughs> did you call it that out on Discord or on IRC? Huh? Uh, did you say yeah? Wait, hold on. I didn't hear what you said. Sorry. Oh, did you guys work this out on Discord or the IRC? The the like working through finding the strings oh yeah the um shell posted it on twitter i think and then we were talking about it in here i believe but yeah. um yeah either way it was just a way to like search for specific types of strings like string from chart code in the source code of a page yeah i, I guess the, the only reason i was bringing it up is just to remind people that like we do actually have a pretty active discord that we oh, do yeah. fun stuff. We do some fun stuff from time to time, so check it out. Um, yeah, if you look at our Twitter, you'll see in our bio that there is a link to our Discord. And one day when we uh, level up and become uh, Discord partners, we'll have a really cool uh, URL. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh... it's fun to, to see exploits get written. I think one of the, my favorite parts was the uh, just, yeah, everybody's just but pounding out ideas it's great good stuff i love it um also yeah we had, oh i meant to say too i was going to shout out uh zare in the um in the podcast because zare found a precious bug in wish uh our lovely bot um <laughs> started by Jin and, and and i maintained um yeah so we haven't found a bug in a while and somebody finally found one after months of everybody hitting it with everything they got um, nice. So come in, and if you guys do also want to try to hit our our bots, um, you totally can. Yeah, yeah. Want to battle hard in them. Nice. Um, so yeah, uh, the next story that we have here is in the breaches and attacks category, and this is a brewery that became victim of a ransomware attack via a job vacancy ad. 
So they had, you know, posted about a um, a job, and somebody just sent them ransomware in a PDF. <laughs> this is oh me no, off. they got ransomed. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> That's so sad. <laughs> yeah. Kind of funny too. Like, yeah. I mean, I know we all deal with like dumb people at, at some point, but this is like another reason to just do training and like suspicious or phishing, you know, phishing campaigns, for instance, are damn you good know, to I, do for this very reason. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I've always thought about this as a vector, but I've never, like, whenever I've been looking for a job, I don't want to piss them off or go to jail. Because, um, you know, $13,000, if you got the job, you probably make more money than that, than the $13,000 ransom. So, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, are you talking about not wanting to send them PDFs though, or? Well, no, I'm just saying in general because there's there's so many uh, so many job posting engines that are old and buggy, and sometimes oh, gotcha. up. Or you can also just upload your uh, you know ransomware PDF up to there, <laughs> and it'll just get sent to hundreds of recruiters. That's too bad. Yeah. Was it for a security role, by the way, or do we know? Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't think so. But that would be, be the ultimate irony. That'd be awful. That's actually. I don't know. That's. Uh, <laughs> I think you automatically get a C uh, lowercase L S S P cert if you do this. <laughs> so Love I it. think um the like with uh like I'm, I don't know about you guys on my CV. I have my blog. I have links to my GitHub and, and stuff like that. Um. I don't see like even if you you know did put a malicious link in there, the, the, hey, check out my website. Like something just to know that, uh, yeah, the this job that uh you applied for, they did actually hit your you know hit your link. If you put a specific link for every uh time you sent your CV out, be like who is actually looking at your CV and from where. Uh, guys, on a on a related note, the brewery was looking for a credit controller with the ability to use Microsoft Office, including Excel and Word, to a good level. Well, obviously, they could. So that's oh. weird too, though. You bring in like third party, you bring in like third party recruitment solutions or applications too, and that's a whole other story as far as how stuff's exploited and executed. But it sounded like they, it sounds like not only did they first of all get owned by that exact thing like something in a in a malicious excel or spreadsheet or whatever but they're also tracking credit cards in the microsoft documents what please <laughs> yes spreadsheet so, formulas bro where else do you put them in the text file Duh. <laughs> um yeah, the next story that we have here um pretty concerning for anybody who buys computer parts on new egg i don't do that but they have had um, the same sort of um, uh, payment data um, stealing malware um, as Ticketmaster and British Airways, which we've reported on uh, in the past months. Um, and so since August 16th, I believe, or August 13th, or 16th, yeah, they have been um, having all of their data get skimmed. This is all related then, right? Because isn't that the exact same time frame for British Airlines? Yeah, I think this is they're attributing it to the same people because um, they basically what they did was they just did some um, they did like a post function to neweggstats.com and so oh. it looked like it's a new egg site or something. Um, you know, neweggstats.com forward slash global data and it just takes all the credit card information um, and sends it over to there. 
Wow. I mean, the way that that uh, actual post is written, that like the like if you look at the where it's bound to uh, mouse up and touch end, mm -hmm. that payload looks almost identical to the other one. So if if you could uh, attribute when that was uh, you know injected onto the site onto the the multiple sites before they were made public. Um, then I guess you know, you could you could say that's the same. The first point is how is it exploded, and it's on a 2008 stack, and that would make you like makes you question how far Newegg really wants to go with their business strategy and what they're doing infrastructure wise, because that's some old ass shit. And to be honest, if you're gonna sit there and try to compare with like Amazon, um, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Where's your money going? And then I don't know, just buy stuff off Tiger Direct, I guess, guys. That's weird because <laughs> Newegg is when I think of buying parts online I, I usually actually do kind of think of new egg as being one of the top providers um, yeah you at least got to cross check them for sure yeah. i hear you do you guys have alibaba for all your um part needs <laughs> well soon enough right <laughs> uh, aren't a lot of these uh tied to magneto or magnet or there's yeah um i don't if that's specifically what this one was for, uh, I didn't say that in the article, but that was part of some of the other ones that um, were yeah. targeted. That's interesting. Yeah, I, It'll be interesting to see what ends up being the, the main tie. I mean, I, I think if they were using Magento as their store, um, their money's probably going into making that bitch scale because it doesn't. Um, oh, it doesn't scale. Oh, interesting. Oh, uh, it it doesn't scale at all. It's it's a horrible yeah. PHP bloat. Where it, it's the WordPress of like of uh, it's like the Joomla of of, of online stores, I guess. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. The next uh part of our show notes that we have, we're actually breezing through these pretty fast. It's awesome. Um. The next story that we have is uh the operator of Scan for You. Uh, malware scanning service is being jailed for 14 years. Holy crap. So That's what was it so doing? So it's basically like VirusTotal. Uh, so for those of you who do not know VirusTotal, you can upload files and it will scan across multiple different virus scanners. And um, you can tell if something has been flagged before for malware. Um, so it's useful if you are trying to determine if, if your PDFs from whoever uh, to your brewery are being, or have a backdoor in them. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we'll scan it. But so this person um, ran one for malware authors because when once you post a virus total, you take a huge chance of, you know, either it gets flagged or it doesn't. But if it does get flagged, then all of your hard work in making your malware is now a signature that means you have to completely redo your code or refactor their payloads to make it um, not get scanned again. So it, it's, it's difficult. So this person was running a service that would be able to, or that would allow people to run or do something similar to VirusTotal, but it wouldn't get logged in the same way. Yeah. As far as I saw, it was literally just VirusTotal, but branded and marketed to criminals. And that it's a really cautionary tale, man. Do not fucking market anything to criminals. Even if you're, even if it's like, uh, old thug crap. Yeah. Well, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean crime but if it if we called this crime crowd and then started giving ideas out you bet your ass we would be probably targets of actual investigations you can't do shit like that like, words matter in that con context for sure 
if he had just marketed it as a alternative to virus total and then there was wink wink nudge nudge stuff going on in the background i bet you this case wouldn't even exist but you you can't just market it as hey i'm going to help you design good malware because you're going to get 14 years in fucking jail apparently so was he actually doing anything with the uploads or he was just i don't know you know it sounds like they're making an example out of him either way though yeah, because he's just described as a Latvian non-citizen, so I, I guess that means he doesn't have a whole bunch of rights or, or anything. I mean, I'm yeah. not big on Latvian law, but I assume that uh, I, there's not well, a great yeah. deal around cybercrime. No, I I am not exactly sure of the full details. It would actually be a nice uh, a nice court case to actually read. Um, but I mean, it's. Yeah, and Flat Spots got it in the chat. All the U.S. court never charged bonders with direct involvement in hacking. Court documents show that he used malware to rob online users and trick them into buying antivirus services. So it sounds like he was he was getting high on his own supply in a way. Um, yeah, there was definitely had to be more to it because it ran from 2009 to 2016. So, I mean, wow, you think time. by like. Yeah, that's right. By like 2010, you'd be like, well, 2011, you'd be like, I'm untouchable. Nothing <laughs> I'm doing is wrong, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it kind of falls into like the aiding and abetting category. It says, uh, according to Justice Department press release, scan for your customers, use the service to steal millions of payment cards from retail stores, including oh. the United States, which led to some $20.5 billion in losses. And I'll tell you, though, if he had, if he had not marketed it towards crime, it would potentially not have gotten to this level but if he was doing all that then uh, i guess i gotta scale my my comments back a little bit it looks like he was yeah, having the, plenty to get his own attention yeah i think the last charge on there that uh, flat spots pasted as well conspiracy to commit wire fraud um sorry after that the uh computer intrusion with intent to cause damage is the one so if he's got you know the conspiracy thing is one thing but you know he's got straight up intrusion uh, charges on there as well so yeah. he obviously did some dirt and well he was probably getting all this fucking great zero day <laughs> coming through his thing he had just yeah. access to strictly o days coming through o yeah, days and, for days and not to mention like if you run something like this you probably also like it's safe to say you probably also write the shit in your spare time right like yeah good point yeah, you don't learn about malware from uh, reading blog posts, that's for sure. <clears throat> Oops, sorry, I was grabbing a drink here. Uh, so the last a drink. Uh, a soda. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a very, a very accusatory, what are you <laughs> drinking? <laughs> um, so, yeah, the last story that we have here is uh, the Mirai botnet creators were praised for helping the FBI and now won't serve any prison time. Praise. Uh, so this is interesting. I mean, because this is the kind of thing that we talk about, people talk about all the time, where they say that there are two ways into InfoSec, which is one going through the uh, sort of white hat route, and the other is going to jail and um, getting then served as a, or then getting, uh, using that notoriety to get a position in computer security so long as you don't, you use your powers for good, basically. It's like the whole adage that has been discussed many times by people. And so 
Um, this is interesting from that perspective, but at the same time, Mirai was like the was fucking huge, and people have they've since they released their code, people have been using it worldwide for all sorts of different things, and it's I don't know, interesting. I don't know what you guys think. It's a game changer for sure. Like that code, uh, definitely changed. Well, the attacks first of all changed the landscape, but releasing that code publicly definitely. In my opinion, it actually helped uh, in the long run to secure IoT or at least bring IoT security to the forefront. But uh, it made a lot of noise. And when you make a lot of noise, you get a lot of eyes looking at you. Yeah. Have you guys been through that like attack or like CTFs at Mach Mirai? Because it's pretty interesting, honestly. Like it might be basic as all fuck, but like it's, it's actually not, really cool. Yeah. It's not basic. It's fucking, it's pretty complex. I like it. I've been actually. I mean, lately. I think it's kind of bullshit though that they're not doing any like no jail time at all, like just straight roll over snitch, like plea plea deal, uh, no jail time. I mean that's kind of weak considering the the impact so, it had. It doesn't no, give but, a good image to defense, like as far as a structure or one of the things that was hard coded right into there though was right. protections against not attacking US critical infrastructure. Like not attacking the postal this service, is, uh, things like pretty that. Good pretty clear evidence that the um the developers of the botnet were collaborating with law enforcement yeah yep. for quite some time i would agree yeah and, i mean and it seems their motivations weren't purely financial at least uh when when they started it seems they maybe were a lot more successful than they expected they would be yeah and then holy shit we got a massive botnet now we thought we'd have like a thousand boxes <laughs> we got a hundred thousand boxes right what the right. fuck do we do now i hope i hope that's what happened like i hope they were just kids fucking around and they had no no later motive for like selling it as lizard stressor two or anything like that or but we don't know <laughs> i mean it seems yeah. it seems that they it seems they cooperated and they're getting a slap on the wrist um and there may be some other people that that capitalized on this botnet later on maybe they'll get in worse trouble because of the financial damage they caused i don't know yeah, it's, that's definitely the thing. Like, there's a, you know, the other uh, variants and, and, and people building for straight up crime, you know, because uh, if you look at the uh, sort of communities around it, the people who are just straight up, um, you know, taking other people's code, making making crime out of other people's code, profiting off it, and then don't really know how it works. They're the kind of, I guess that's where the, the big. Uh, yeah, like a lot of it seems to come in. In this chat, we, we often like will set up like a, a honey pot device of some sort or a proxy or whatever. And, and we start realizing very quickly, holy shit, we could embed like a crypto miner or a, or a JavaScript, you know, command and control, like a beef hook or WebSocket backdoor in every one of these requests. And we, we realize very quickly, we can amass like a botnet, like 50,000 nodes immediately. Uh, but we don't step over that line. Like that's the kind of, that's kind of the the ethics test is, can you do it? Can you prove you can do it? And now what do you do with this power? And that that kind of determines what happens next when it comes to law enforcement, that just, decision you make. Just a thought, uh, a thought experiment on what you just said. So let's say you do that and it is way more successful than what you think. What do you do? Do you just back out and, and move yeah. away? 
yeah that's that's i mean we we all just have to play it by ear because it's all you know it's groundbreaking sometimes there's no laws against what we're doing there's no sure. precedence yeah, it's so like when you make a twitter post and like, you don't know how far it's going to go and then it goes way too fucking far and you're like what the fuck did i do what happens <laughs> yeah yeah a little more serious than that when it comes yeah. to that, like national security and stuff but yeah yeah you're right um <laughs> there is like an ethics, an ethics test and it, i guess law enforcement well, it's not really law enforcement's job, but somebody at some point has to decide uh, what did what did the what did this kid do with his potential once he discovered that he had this potential, um, and that's the ethics test. That's, the, that's, that's where they figure out. This. Right. Well, I don't I don't know if if any of the particular Mirai authors did that or if that was like no, they did. I, I, or or you have, think they did they put him in after the fact for the forum post? Uh, it's well, it's like uh, uh, one of one of the spooky boys says, "Hey, could you add this bit of code into your stupid botnet?" And I go, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Well, <laughs> but I just like, written credential oh, reuse. What's that? Like show? Of, oh, I was about to say like it's just like you think about it. It's like if you want to like avoid detection, right? Like be like, okay, what don't I hit? And you're like, oh yeah, the U.S. government. Like that's a good place. Oh, uh, that's true. I mean, there's a lot of botnets that have got, and in fact, they they share these amongst different malware families where they have like pretty standard, actually, to have like a host file of of IPs that you just don't execute on and you don't talk to because yeah. they're known sandboxes or anti-malware AV companies, Smart. that kind of stuff. So it's possible they just cut and paste this from somewhere. Um, don't target these IP blocks because that's how you get your botnet caught quickly, yeah. sinkholed. So they do share these kind of lists among each other. So it, might, it could be they, there could be no ulterior motive there, other than just cut and paste of a of a list of IPs that it's probably not a good idea to DDoS or scan. If you yeah. want to keep on the radar. No, absolutely. Um, but that's it's it's just I, I still think it's interesting that they don't get any jail time and they just helped to basically clean up their own mess because they. Yeah. It's, it talks about they they were helping mitigate attacks on the memcache servers um, when that was happening, and like they you know I guess it it's just it's one of those things though where the people who run the DDoS mitigation services are actually just DDoSers who advise people yeah. how to get DDoS. Yeah, sure. yeah most of the bulletproof hosting guys are like spammers or have some kind of black hat shit going on in the background. That's mm -hmm. why they have the facilities. Yeah. <laughs> So it, Yo, use Akamai, bro. It's expensive as fuck, but it's worth. <laughs> but I think uh, we should still take this like uh, like caution. If if you are thinking about building a botnet, even with the best of intentions, like don't expect to get away with no jail time if you do get caught. Like it's not yeah. this case. This case is certain. Like it might not be a one-off, but this is not the the common sort of. Uh, yeah, definitely. Especially for people who do botnet stuff, like where it's. They people who do it with I guess the more criminal intent um, for extortion purposes, uh, yeah. read and some of the other people that we have talked about. Um, those kind of people are the ones who get jail time because they have actual criminal intent behind them. Whereas literally like the Mirai one was literally like Minecraft and like anime stuff, mm -hmm. like they're fighting online. So it just yeah, I feel like that's one of the differentiating factors that might have been part of this. And it would be so think... cool to get somebody on that was working on the case or even the guys that are on it and see what they can talk about. Yeah, so, yeah. It could be that 
It, it could be the, I, I'm hoping that law enforcement in the US has taken a, a leaf out of the book that we use here in Australia. And I think a little bit in the UK where um, feds will actually sit down with the, the, the perps and their parents in their living room and have a friendly cup of coffee and a chat about what the implications are if we take this any further and is there some way we can we can make this uh, make this work and it works like uh, law enforcement sits down and says here are the consequences um here's the alternatives and uh you can have a very bright career in in infosec and and we can help you with that if you help us clean up this little mess that you've made yeah, I um, think as long as you're picturing a lot of guns pointed at you while they're saying these things. Well, yeah, maybe they don't do exactly maybe, it. <laughs> maybe they don't do that. Like they don't do that here in Australia. They don't come in with guns blazing. It's some nice gentlemen in in <laughs> DEFCON t-shirts show up and say, Hi, we used to be just like you. Um, I hope so. I hope now it... we catch guys like you and we're watching. So do you want to be like us or do you want to go the other way you want to be in jail. and they give they give them that opportunity and i hope that's what's happened here and if so that's that's a really positive thing yep i would uh i would agree i hope it is i hope it is can we move yeah. on talk wise i want to get on to this why i'm done with google chrome that's hosted on wordpress post. oh yeah um, so oh yeah this is so this is our um our goodreads section um so we don't really have to go over too much of it but if you have something you want to talk about with it absolutely um i did want to touch on real quick the first article in Goodreads um, in our show notes, which if anybody is joined and did not see it before, I will post Bugcrowd.com. Yep. But we'll also uh, post the link up. Yep, I just posted it in the chat there. So the first thing here, I've this is something that somebody finally summed it up in a way that I feel makes sense and I can just share to people, is this software disenchantment um, post that's basically about why stuff is bloated and ultimately why stuff is insecure um, and doesn't work the way that it we, we uh, would anticipate it to work with all the technology that we have. Um, and it just goes through a breakdown of just everything about software today and why things, like why Chrome takes up like, you know, so much memory and things like that. Just like, and why it, the Android uh, like base image is like six gigabytes instead of like 30 megabytes that Windows 95 used, you know? So just there's so many interesting points in here that I implore people to read because I've really liked making things really small and optimized. Um, and so this is something that like really resonated with me. And I don't know if anybody else here touches on with them, but I implore you to read it. Um, it does. Yeah. It gives you a hell of a good standing as far as what's running and when it shouldn't be and what caching can do. And that's like an awesome full stack post. Windows 10 takes 30 minutes to update. What do you think it's doing in 30 minutes? probably sending out your personal information back to base. Exactly. And it's saying, yeah, you could, you could like, oh yeah, why does it take like an hour, 30 minutes to like update when you can install that on a new disc in the same amount of time, multiple times. <laughs> so, but yeah. Um, would you want to talk about Zuff with the uh, Chrome thing? I was just laughing. I was laughing that honestly, this person posted this from a WordPress blog and you can honestly tell just because you hit it in the fa <laughs> the fave icon is a WordPress logo yeah. sitting up in the top uh, but other than that like um there's quite a few remediation workarounds for this and the simplest thing i found is just doing um, a gpo for uh, registry entries 
Wait, wait. You said a couple things. What are you talking about? Sorry. Uh, Why I'm leaving Chrome. Post from this guy talking about this week. I think he's talking about Chrome Sync specifically. Oh, right. Okay. So, yeah, he was like, there were some new features and stuff that came out. Yeah, there's like Sync, which I guess signs you in. If you sign in through uh, any kind of like Google application, from what I understand, it also syncs back and forth to devices. <laughs> there's a flag that disables it. There's also registry key entries that you can do to remediate it on the enterprise level for GPO. So, isn't this the uh, one that he cleared his cache and then it said, "Don't worry, your Google sessions will all be fine because we're deleting all your cookies except for your Google, Google cookies." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I saw the screenshot. But is, is this also maybe I read it wrong? But um, is there a feature where when you sign into the Google service, it also signs you into the browser? So you sign into Gmail and then it, your browser signs in alongside it. Yeah. Right. Is that I, I'm, no? I, I, no, that's how it works. That's how it works. If you sign into a Google application, it's also going to sign you into Chrome at this point. Going forward. Yeah, well, what if I'm at a like like a PC cafe or whatever? I don't know. Do they even exist? If I if I'm using someone else's machine and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to log into my Gmail. You're not going to use someone else's machine. You'd be yeah, it already remembers. Like you log into some Google account in a in a shared Chrome um, that isn't like most internet cafes will reset and delete in theory your profiles yeah. when they restart, but they, they don't often. And you'll quite often, if you're at a library or something, a public computer, you'll see like a hundred accounts of people that have signed in showing that at least Google has remembered part. Of I that can make a head. living in a library is what he just told me. God damn, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if, if you want to hang out with like homeless people masturbating and stuff, go for it. But that's there's really what I was thinking about. That's my favorite pastime, dude. <laughs> uh, hi, Whitey Cracker. I see. What's up, Whitey Cracker? Uh, you on the West Coast or East Coast? Come through last week. Can you guys hear me? I can hear it. It's yeah. not music, but yeah. I can hear you. <laughs> well, you might not be able to hear us, though. I can hear you guys just fine. Oh, cool. All right. right. Oh, I can hear you now, too. Hey. Hey. Hey, what's going on? Hey, you sound good. Um, yeah. You have any comments on our, on our story so far? No, I'm just, uh, yeah, just listening to your guys' voice, you know, jerking off. You watching the uh, <laughs> DVD thing? The what thing? The DVD uh, scroller on the stream. We have the we have a DVD background for uh screensaver for a DVD player. Like on Twitch or something? Yeah, yeah, it's it's just going. Oh, I'm, I'm not in the Twitch uh, matrix no, right now. No problem. Um, okay, so yeah, the there's a bunch of other good reads. If anybody here wants to check them out, definitely do so. Uh, and also, um, I wish Skelsa could be here right now because he found. I wanted to to explain this bug that he found uh, in in uh, Windows. It, it it went from like one thing to a million things. So, but we'll have to get him on here at some point to talk about it. Um, yeah, so the, um, so yeah, I guess we can start moving on to our topic of the week, which is hacking like a journalist with Nadia. Nice. Let's do it. Hey. So what's up, Nadia? Uh, same stuff, different day. <laughs> I, hear that. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, actually gave a, uh, hack like a journalist talk at the local Houston Anonymous Hackers Association 
Uh, so shout out to them. This will be the uh, second time I've talked about it, and we're becoming increasingly efficient at it. So right on, awesome. So just for people that aren't familiar, uh, are you are you a journalist with a specific place? What's uh, what's your background? My background is in newspapers because I uh, was really interested in writing even as a young adult. And I was like, well, I want to make a living from writing. So let's get into newspapers, uh, not knowing at the time what was going to happen. Since since then, (laughs) I've moved into uh, yeah, booming industry uh, until about 2006 when Craigslist came into effect and just destroyed the personal ad. Yeah, yeah. So uh, since that time... I, uh, I've gone on to um, moving into more business news, subscription-based news services, which a lot of writers have. Uh, and, of course, other journalists have gone into PR uh, and other more lucrative assets. So when I say industry news, um, I cover uh, stuff that's happening in Houston, whether it be energy, oil, gas, petrochemicals, stuff like that. And then at night, I also uh, do whatever kind of culture stuff I want for uh, Dead Dialect. Uh, so shout out to them as well. And uh, that sort of keeps me uh, balanced, as it were. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, so um, hacking like a journalist. I can jump right in, or if you guys have any questions, we can go from there. Yeah, I kind of wanted to just let you take it, because you had said that you were you were doing talks about this, so I wanted to you know let you kind of have the floor for a while, and then if we have any questions, um, we can start asking you. Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, just jump right in whenever, and I'll start us off. The uh, main thing that I could uh, start off by saying is it took me a while to realize there's a lot of similarities between journalists and hackers. Um, primarily the fact that we get a lot of uh, similar results on Google's search engine results page. Uh, if you just say reporters are blank or hackers are blank, you'll notice a lot of uh, four letter words that uh, are the same. Um, because, because people love journalism stories and they love hacking stories unless those stories are about something that they like that is being crapped on. Uh, and that tends to happen a bit. Um, so it really just depends on you know who you're taking off that day. day. Um, and other than that, there's uh, just a lot that um, we have in common in terms of pay, working hours, turnover, unexpected problems, uh, what else, uh, living mm-hmm. off of vending machine food, stuff <laughs> like that. Um, there's a few other similarities as well because uh, – both groups are part of a certain regard to society. There's uh, this saying for journalism that is the fourth estate. Um, the first and second and third estates are like clergy, noble people, military. The fourth estate was journalism in that uh, the press was seen as a entity that was helping keep the public and the government at um, a good regard for each other in terms of awareness. And so the fifth estate, as I'm sure you guys are aware, is becoming this new form, which is uh, information and and press that has been gained from uh, leaks, from hacks, from cables that have been, you know, given out and and declassified illegally. Uh, And there's a lot of ongoing debate about whether that's legitimate or not. And and that's part of the... uh, Part of what my talk centers around is whether or not it's okay for a journalist to do certain things that a hacker would. And of course, then we delve into, you know, whether you're an ethical hacker, an unethical hacker, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's okay. The so medium yeah, that... that you're sharing too, right? Like you're you're on the same mediums that I think uh, hackers and infosec professionals find themselves on, like Twitter and uh, oh, yeah. staying, yeah. staying well connected to groups, right? 
And I'll, I mean, I could go into the uh, intricacies of social media for hours on end, but obviously Twitter was accidentally built for journalists. I mean, Arab Spring is probably the best example of how something broke on Twitter, like news broke on Twitter first, and then everybody else started using Twitter screen caps to, you know, show the narrative. Absolutely. Over, say, you know, Facebook. Nice. Yeah. No, that's, that's a huge thing. But you're saying, though, specifically about the ethics of this, which I know that you will all let you get into, but it's a really good point about, is it ethical for journalists to use information that was given to them by somebody who got it from, by, by criminal yeah. means, you know? And it, go, it, it goes without saying Edward Snowden, Chelsea Manning, the two best examples, right? Yeah. I, I have one example that I think is really interesting. And that was the, uh, the sun, I think where they did phone hacking. Yeah, the voicemail hacking. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So if you can touch on that a little bit, too. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts are on it, but yeah. Um. Well, the thing is, is that if if a journalist does it, they're breaking the law. If they get it from somebody else, technically they're not breaking the law, but then the gov- that's not going to stop the government or some representative from coming into the offices and saying, we need to confiscate whatever it was they sent you, or we need to confiscate your servers, we need to confiscate your laptops, we need to confiscate these documents. And so even do it that? doesn't... Yeah, oh yeah, that's oh, what wow. happened with uh, Glenn Greenwald when Snowden sent him... Um, when, when I mean, because Greenwald went and met up with Snowden because Snowden was extremely worried about whether he could even successfully deliver the goods uh Mm -hmm. and he had a hard time just getting in contact with greenwald because he was trying to tell glenn greenwald hey uh would you mind you know using this encryption method so that i could communicate with you you have a lot of people who would probably be really interested in talking to you uh but you're not using any form of encryption so that's probably makes it difficult for you to get stories and this was in what 2013 and back then uh nobody i mean like nobody no journalist was using mass encryption it wasn't the norm uh, maybe with the exception of uh, Ars Technica or motherboard reporters or investigative journalists who are, you know, on the cutting oh, edge. That's now everybody's using Signal. I had no um, idea but, that there was a gap there. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, but no, when it comes to, like, news of the world and all that, uh, you know, they were – it's a bit different because they weren't being given stuff. They were engaging in it. So, what you know, it's the difference between – yeah. It's the difference between um, did you engage in this yourself, in which case you're going to have a harder time in court, or did you simply receive information that somebody else gave you and they broke the law? Right, right. But regardless, at the end of the day, you're probably going to get one of those visits from the authorities, and maybe it'll involve a happy uh, conversation over a table with some coffee, or maybe it'll involve firearms. Who knows? (laughs) Have you ever had that happen, and and what kind of – Oh of, no no no! Not me. Yeah. I'm I'm very street level. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, have, uh, I I didn't even admit any crimes, of course. <laughs> it's all uh, no. anyways. Um, yeah, uh, I could say um, with regards to to direct applications for what I've used various uh, techniques for, and we can we can go into some of the more uh, rudimentary techniques that are applicable for journalism and vice versa. Yeah, um, good. My my best example that I've given uh, in my in my previous little talk, I was a uh, student reporter for a daily newspaper here in uh, Houston, the Houston Chronicle, and uh, around Christmas in 2012, the Sandy Hook shooting happened. Now uh, everybody was basically paying attention to that and taking care of it, and there was breaking news after breaking news, and we were all you know everybody was keeping their eye on uh, 
Facebook, on Twitter. Um, we had the AP news feeds that were directly being fed to us through uh, our typical methods. But I was also, I just happened to be browsing on B on 4chan. And someone happened to upload a picture of uh, the mugshot everybody was using for the shooter. And they were like, oh, wow, this guy has the same name, Lanza. Uh, he's actually some other dude who just happens to have the same name. And everybody jumped on uh, Facebook and took his profile shot. And now this poor innocent soul is being, you know, all blasted all over CNN. And so I saw that and I, oh, wow. I saved it and I, I emailed it over to my boss. And I was like, um, hey, uh, editor, uh, are we we're using this mugshot? I'm not sure if it's uh, re uh, legit. And they double checked and then they asked another editor and they're like, oh, yeah, this is wrong. We need to pull this. And not only did the Houston Chronicle pulled it, uh, every other paper under uh, horse Corp they sent the the heads up out and then you know uh, i wasn't the only one that found that out there's probably a couple other people at the same time around the country who were figuring out that was the wrong mug shot mm. um but if i hadn't been browsing on b at my internship i wouldn't have found that out and so that gave me props and they're like hey good job and so i was like hey can i can i save this email where you said good job in case i wanted to use it as an example in a future nice. job opportunity where i could prove that i know what i'm doing like, yeah hey by the way how'd you find out about that and i was like uh you know that <laughs> uh you know yeah. i just happen to look but, at it i don't look at yeah, it yeah but I, I use that as an example of how you know even something as rudimentary as just keeping your eye on uh threads that are quickly updating on uh local subreddit on any of the chans on you know just very obscure places can lead to great leads i think it's a lot tips. of times what's what's going to get you that scoop is is having all these background things that you've accrued over the years and then just just watching and all of a sudden that one little thing will pop out oh yeah and save the day as it as it was in that case and just uh so real quick on on normal newsrooms there's a thing that actually is known as the wire right or some yeah and yeah there's a ap wire there's various other wires but ap is probably what i would argue the standard in the u.s and it's for lack of a better term it's a it's a stream of data like how does that actually work so there is a i wouldn't call it a subscription method because you can't subscribe to it if you're not in the business of news but uh you know newspapers news agencies can um get access to it and it's not like it's you know in the future or anything like that it's simply ongoing stories that are being constantly updated uh and most of them have embargoes to let you know hey we're not done writing this up you can look at this, but you can't publish it yet because it's not complete. And it's basically just making sure that everybody's uh, getting everything ready that they need to, whether it be text-based information, photographs that are constantly being updated, things of that nature. And and they will have layers on top of layers in terms of what's been updated over and over because, as everyone knows, stories change very rapidly, especially breaking news. That's interesting. Yeah, I had no idea that uh, there was that crossover too. But, yeah, the, the hacking and journalist uh, mindset, it's – pretty prevalent for sure yeah yeah that, and, um, that specific thing that you're talking about with with the wrong mugshot is the same thing that happened with the boston uh, marathon bombings too um with on reddit people had falsely identified people uh based on surveillance footage and things um and it's it continually happens now it's like a regular prank that uh what's his face sam hyde is oh, the, right everything. oh right yeah, yeah every single time so do yeah. newsrooms know about these memes to a certain extent? I would imagine I, they do, right? People, um, people who are 
acquainted with the internet who spend a lot of time on the internet. So I'm not trying to be uh, discriminatory, but obviously younger reporters sure. will be more up and up on memes and things of that nature. Uh, older reporters too, if they're interested in that sort of thing. But um, if you took, you know, Joe the reporter who's 35 and he's married and he has two kids, he just doesn't have time to be keeping up with memes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but he's just, I mean, he so does his job, and yeah. It sounds like that's where that's a perfect industry where the seasoned vets are just as important as the noobs the, or even the interns where the interns can go, Hey, wait a minute. That, that is Sam Hyde. <laughs> We're not right. going to publish him because he's a meme. Yeah. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. And so, um, basically, uh, to give my crash course of, uh, hacking like a journalist and, and what I usually preface this with, with is if you want to hack like a broke journalist, because for quite some time I was freelancing and basically using the tools that were uh, free to download. I, uh, I, I start off by saying, well, let me, let me put it to you this way. A lot of people ask me, they say, Oh, uh, what news do you subscribe to? What, what do you read? And, um, the fact of the matter is you have to read as much as you can and you don't get to pick and choose. Oh, well, I like Fox news. Oh, well, I like CNN. Oh, well, I like NPR. You have to read every single one of them and read all their headlines and digest which ones have been changed this way or that way from whether it's just that editor or copy editor's subtle opinions or whether it was simply to fit it on the page. And my basic um, suggestion is to use three different um, or two main ways of doing that. Um, my number one suggestion is if you're not already using it, uh, spider.today. It's this little news aggregator, uh, spidr.today. It takes oh, all wow. the news yeah all the news stories uh and blocks them into little little grids um mm. and it'll be from every single and it's basically just a great way to get the gist of what that story is really about because like i said everybody's gonna either spin it on purpose or omit things just for the sake of space uh it really speeds up and it's all about that digestion there as it'll come to no surprise to you guys or any of the listeners there's so much so many stories out there so much information we have access to it around the world that you simply don't have time to read every single story the best you can do is just churn through it uh take out the chaff and digest as best you can so number one suggestion make spider dot today your homepage. i didn't make it wish i had um, I'm just plugging it because it's it's a time saver for me I wake up in the morning I check that to see what I missed while I was asleep it's S-P-Y-D-R oh no S-P-I-D-R oh okay you know I've actually seen that in a few TV shows and just assumed it was like their non-brand thing yeah. uh, in, re in replacing like Google right but no apparently yeah. it's an actual thing That's it's, awesome. a, it's a real time saver very cool yeah, uh, and my second suggestion, this is more old-fashioned now. It's almost anachronistic. It's almost obsolete. But um, there's a, uh organization called Newseum. They have a physical location in New York City, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Newseum.org has a page of the front pages from all the major newspapers around the world, uh, a couple hundred uh, different newspapers, if I'm not mistaken, uh, less more than 100 at least. And so that just gives me a really good snapshot of what all the major newspapers have decided is important enough to be on the front page. And so obviously there's a lot of overlap with whatever's going on with the main governments of the world. Um, right now, you know, the U.S. presidential administration will show up on a lot of headlines. Uh, stuff about the U.S.-China trade war shows up on most newspapers. Stuff about tariffs. But then you can get lucky sometimes and spot gold. 
especially, you know, I like to keep my eye on what's going on with crude oil. So stuff that's going on in Alaska, stuff that's going on in North Dakota is important. And it's good to be able to see just if there's something that's major showing up in that particular city's newspaper that made it to the top of the front page. Next thing you know, you've scooped somebody else. Awesome. That's uh, what's what's kind of been your your most interesting thing that you found um, that you gave us that one great example earlier. Um, have you seen anything that that really just was going to go probably nowhere and uh, and stuck out either on Spider or uh, you mentioned B2, um, but like Reddit, there's always something coming up on Reddit, right? <laughs> Twitter. Uh, I can give you one from this week. Uh, I, I love, love, love uh R Houston. I also keep track of all the subreddits for all the local universities. And I don't know if you guys are aware of the sex doll brothels that opened up in Canada. What? No. Do they reuse uh, those? What's their phone number? I mean, oh, trust me, trust me. <laughs> I have so many questions as well. Um, so there are there was a sex doll brothel that recently opened up in Canada. Uh, Motherboard did a great story on it. Um, it's Aura Dolls, and they already have a competitor named Kinky's Dolls. Oh well, God. Kinky's Dolls is going to open up what? a sex. <laughs> Kinky's Dolls is going to open up a sex brothel in Houston in about a week. I found out about this because I just so happened to be browsing through Houston's subreddit, and if I hadn't found that, I wouldn't have looked it up. I wouldn't have found their phone number. I wouldn't have called them up, and I wouldn't have made a story out of it, which I'm currently trying to finish up for dead dialect that, uh, that awesome. was thanks to houston sub yeah and i was like Jesus. so my number one question why houston <laughs> as their you know first u.s location and uh yeah and then of course everybody <laughs> has a million and plus one questions who's oh cleaning them God. yes uh, that's what i was just you can aid yeah. some of these dolls bro what like, the what's up? <laughs> yeah you gotta call you gotta weird, call the article <laughs> land of misfit so, toys Oh my yeah. god! Oh, no. Toy Story. Oh my god! It's a uh, <laughs> Toy Story. I got a Woody right here. <laughs> Go ahead, put your Buzz Lightyear in its face. Oh my god! Now here's crazy. here's the real punchline. The the real punchline is apparently these are supposed to be unmanned brothels. Oh, so, good. So there's oh. nobody cleaning them. Is the answer? Nobody we talk, cleans we them. We speak automation here, I think, right, guys? Uh, Jesus Christ! I mean. No, there's just one dude ravaging them all. A huge, a huge aspect of cyberpunk culture is uh, walking, talking robots, especially the ones that you can have certain relations with. And so this Jesus is a great Christ. archived example of how we are making progress towards that. And I was very interested in why they chose Houston as one of their locations. So ongoing story. Well, you've brought my hiccups back, so I appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, there they are. So I'm going to be on mute for a little bit while I try and wrap my mind around this. <laughs> yeah, you can't archive the story. dolls if they're still being used. What do you mean? Yeah. Do they, do they have um, clone varieties? I was just going to oh. ask. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is the thing. Uh, people, uh, I, when I would tell this anecdotally to other people in networking events, socials, you know, I was at the bar or something like that, they would ask me, oh, are there male versions? Oh, do they come like this? Oh, do they look like that? And I said, you know, you can order one for about, what, $3,000 and have it look like whatever you want to, or you can rent whatever it is they have in stock for about a, a 160 bucks an hour, your choice. $160 an hour? Yeah, which leaves, you know, 15 minutes for cuddling. Fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I can't. I, I want to know, know. Do they, what happens when you ask them questions. Do 
just sit there in silence and you just, you know, role play on it or what? <laughs> Just, uh, I mean, if you like the strong silent type, I'm sure. Oh my god. <laughs> you guys have been to Defcon. I'm sure you can see that some people might need this service. I think we're gonna There should be a village. Sense. Yeah, it's a village at Defcon. Oh god, cyborg sex village. Instead of a doll, just find a fed. Cut close. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is getting horrible. Let's stop now. <laughs> <laughs> this is um, but yeah, I can. Let me let me move in right along. Um, and of course, I like to I like to cite um, Hacker News as one of my preferred ways of uh, looking up news stories that are important to the hacker community. You know, and that qualifies a few certain circles because cybersecurity, coding, computer news. Um, you know, is cybersecurity hacking? No. Is it part of hacking? Yeah, Sorta. Um, when I am during my nine to five, I, I love covering cybersecurity and how it applies to oil and gas and, and various Houston industries. Um, not hacking per se, but it's always good to keep my eye on it. Hacker News happens to post quite a few cybersecurity stories that apply to me. So I always check that first thing in the morning. It's basically one, it's one way for me to filter news stories that are A, academic, B, well-written, and C, generating a lot of interest among readers. It, it basically hacker news uh takes out a lot of the legwork of finding out which stories float to the top so to speak yeah yeah absolutely there's a, there's a bunch of good sites like that it's interesting that you're coming at it from the perspective of your industries in houston like gas and oil because there are you know actual news stories that are related to that in cybersecurity as far as like industrial control system hacking like, oh yeah things so really cool that you're tying those industries together with your local news as well as with overall um, hacking and cybersecurity yep. in general. And uh, other than that, um, from a business standpoint, I check out a few different uh, newswires and um, PR Newswire is one that I would somewhat recommend if you're interested in it. PR Newswire does require creating a login credentials, but it's you know it takes five minutes to put it all together. Uh, that's just a way of churning through whichever companies are putting out press releases. A bunch of it's chaff. Some of it's important. Uh, there's Business Newswire. There's uh, there's a, a few other ones as well. Um, then I could say if you're looking for more government information, uh, what saves me a lot of time is I'll go through PolitiFact. I'll go through um, – well, if I'm looking for something specifically, I will always jump on uh, the Security and Exchange Commission's sec.gov website or the Public Access to Court Electronic Records, PACER. PACER does charge you for looking up things, but it's only about, I think, $0.10 cents per search, which does add up. But if you know what you're looking for, it's only you know less than a buck to get where you're going. Uh, and that's mainly for anything regarding uh, legal filings, um, uh, lawsuits, things of that nature. You can successfully find out if someone who you're looking for is being sued, though, in federal court at least, through PACER. So that's just an example of how you can utilize something that was meant for lawyers for your own benefit. And also Hayden's a cheap date. Ugh, cheap date. <laughs> um. And other than that, I mean, like, you know, a lot of that helps uh, making stories work. If you're trying to create stories from scratch, like I said, uh, obviously just jumping on Google and using its advanced keyword search. Um, Twitter has an advanced keyword search as well. Hyperlocal subreddits always work, of course. Uh, jumping on and, and, you know, if you're looking in a specific industry, obviously you're going to start going into, um, you know, smaller chambers and smaller bubbles of pre-existing websites. Uh, I can think of several examples, um, just ones that pop out from uh, Tumblr is uh, obviously an example somewhat 
uh, somewhat of a looking for a needle in a stack of needles these days, but people will make their own little updates and, and things of that nature. Um, and then there's, uh, God, I can't believe I'm saying it, but uh, LinkedIn has uh, now chats and updates where people are discussing things that I can later contact them directly and say, hey, you were talking about this. Could you tell me about that? Or uh, even, you know, any it's it's hard to point out because there are a lot of uh social media websites now tailored specifically for companies yammer is probably the best example i can think of and if you don't already have credentials to log in you're screwed but um other than that i mean there's still some people and companies that use pre-existing stuff like uh linkedin or uh instagram uh, not instagram but um you know, just various social media websites as their de facto way of communicating with each other and you can find a lot of gold nuggets in that that's awesome. Yeah. So the landscape's definitely changed a lot as far as like how organizations are communicating and like disseminating information because it's just, it's easier in a lot of cases to just do, you know, um, like a tweet is like relying on people to actively check your website, you know, for. Oh, yeah. Day. So that's all. I, I get a lot of news from that. We get a lot of news because we, we together as a group aggregate quite a InfoSec news. Um, and it just comes from all sorts of random sources like that. So you'll see like, you know, posts and things to like kind of verify certain certain ones, but um, it's just interesting to see the, the, the different channels in which people can get their news from, which, yeah. I have a I question. Think, uh, what's up? I was gonna ask, uh, what are the most like successful articles that you've come across and where have you found your sources from and what have you been researching? Um, well, a lot of that involves what I would call farming. Or uh, you know, harvesting in the hacker sense of the term, because uh, really, there's um, what I do boring wise, which is somebody sends my editor will be like, "Hey, turn this press release around," which basically means here's this long uh, legal press release with a lot of words. I'm basically distilling the good bits out, and that's just a smaller version of the press release. Or there's me writing up a story from scratch, which involves contacting companies with people who I have pre-existing relationships with. And I would love to just be able to call up the CEO or someone else from the board and talk to them directly. But of course, I end up talking to their um, communications director or what have you and try to go from there. And if I'm lucky, I get to have the CEO on the phone while their coach is listening in. And as a side note, um, only recently have companies begun to coach people on a here's what a phishing attack looks like or a phishing attempt looks like oh hackers might be out to get you through social engineering here's how to protect yourself against it the uh, the coaching uh, for politicians and ceos on how to protect themselves from journalists has been around for decades so i am already i'm in a battlefield where they have been well seasoned against me um so so how often do you have you or have you ever, I guess, found yourself talking to someone direct who's like exploded something or been able to give you information? How often does that ever happen, if ever? It happens face to face at conferences when you've been able to, you know, take the armor off a bit. Over the phone, it's a lot more sterile, it's a lot more formal. I will get great stories whenever I'm at a conference. Conferences and to the more important part, the networking events, especially cash bar after the conferences is where you get your best stories because then everybody's loosening up their ties. Everybody is using the journalist's best tool, which is vice. They will start whipping out their uh, favorite cocktails and beers and cigarettes. And if you're in uh, New Orleans or Las Vegas, they will begin hitting up the tables. And that is when you become their friend and they trust you and they will confide in you. And that's where you get your breaking stories from.
so with him when this happens I, I haven't read any of your content but is it very like technical in a sense or do you try to translate that to non-technical people or how does that come about like what uh, do you tend to write more towards i guess a general audience or someone who's more from a technical background nine to five uh i am re uh, writing up stories to people who are um probably more expert than i am so i don't have to do a lot of background information unless i'm keeping in mind that it is something that's going to be read by international readers in which case i may need to you know at the end of the story after i've talked about the important bits i'll say you know this is a part of the u.s political system and it is important because blah 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 um, and that's business news for you. You know, your your audience already knows your specific terms. They already know your jargon. You don't have to waste time. With the exception of uh, whenever I'm writing up how, for example, blockchain is being applied to the oil and gas industry. All of a sudden, I have to explain to them, blockchain is a such and such uh, decentralized ledger for such and such. And then I have to uh, do a follow-up uh paragraph about cryptocurrencies are not necessarily tied to blockchain even though tokenization and then my next paragraph is tokenization is a blah 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 and then you know it's just down the rabbit hole we go because bankers analysts and buyers and traders and sellers have no idea what blockchain is all they know is their uh chief information officer their chief digital officer said we need to create a blockchain platform that's their ex the extent of their knowledge so every time i write up a story i have about three paragraphs telling the reader what it is and what are your thoughts on blockchain and ledgers after doing so? What do you feel? Uh, what do you feel the benefits are to the core? Like, what do you what do you see as being more secure as far as what's available now and what you can do? Well, as it applies to the oil and gas industry, as it applies to um, logistics companies, distribution, transportation, it's still I wouldn't say in its infancy because it's uh, you know been around for uh, a decade now more or less, but it's only recently been applied to uh, logistics, transportation, oil and gas, and every the big players have a budget and they have a risk appetite and they are very interested in seeing if all these promises of increased security, faster um, faster exchanges uh, in terms of business and invoices. Um, you know, less less money spent on human labor or on intermediaries. They have the ability to pay for that and to test it out and to see if these case studies are going to come through and to see if these pilot programs work, right? So they're yeah. they're plenty they're plenty interested. And I I every time I turn my back, there's another major uh, oil major or, or major company like Maersk uh, doing an update on a pre-existing pilot program. However. Smaller players are still sticking to their guns with um, the good old-fashioned way of conducting business with paper ledgers and your own version, your own database, and your your whoever you're working with has their own version. And sometimes it doesn't add up, right? Because until there are bona fide uh, blockchain platforms that anybody can just plug and play, that's where we are. And a lot of people are saying it's going to be another eight to ten years before blockchain platforms, blockchain technology integrates enough into logistics, hey. transportation, what have you. Yeah, so and that's, that's a, that, yeah, and that's a topic up for debate. I mean, as far as when when and where you can store PII is one thing. Definitely from government, they're yeah. fucking hungry. I can tell you that. I mean, as an anecdote, that. here's my best anecdote. I won't say which conference I was at, but earlier this year, I was at a conference. Uh, you know, for um for various uh CEOs, CIOs, uh CFOs, and uh, in this conference, there's a whole bunch of different topics going on. But they had four different uh workshops for blockchain. And it, it wasn't about Bitcoin. It wasn't about cryptocurrency. It was a blockchain workshop. Every time, I went to every single one, every single time with a whole different group of people from various executive leadership roles. 
uh, first question was always, what about Bitcoin? They were still at that point that financial people were at in 2013, where they could not separate blockchain technology from cryptocurrencies. And right, we're and still probably, there right now. They're probably asking about Bitcoin because that's what they're actually in when they shouldn't be. Right. And, yeah. and honestly, at the time, it was, uh, you know, uh, oh, God, had Bitcoin already crashed? It must have been February or March. <laughs> It, it yeah so it was crashing of, uh, for sure it's probably like 10 yeah. at that point yeah so just keep that context in mind so uh we got a question from the twitch chat um from russian cowboy late what's the scariest situation you've been in as a journalist who um the scariest uh, I, I assume that's like physically scariest situation i found myself in uh, i think uh, we could go either way i mean maybe yeah. there's a um, uh, you know, you're under some sort of pressure or something from uh, an internet scary man, or I don't know. <laughs> uh, for me, my you know my number one fear is corrections, and uh, I you know getting it right the first time is uh, paramount to anything else. So I, anytime I get myself caught in a situation where I'm working remotely and all I've got is my laptop and my wits, and I'm sending you know, a uh, thousand words to my editor and they're sending me back questions. I don't have the answer to. And even if I had the answer to it, or even if I had the person I needed to ask, it's, it's basically down to the wire and we need to figure this out ASAP. That's when I started to get a little worried about like, do I put, do I cut the red wire or the blue wire? Do I tell them? Yes, that's what that means. Or no, that's not what that means. Cause if I'm wrong, it's my ass. And that is far scarier than someone putting a gun to my face because I was trying to take a picture of them doing a drug deal. And have you had a gun to your face while someone was doing a drug deal? Or? Nope, not yet. Damn. And uh, I, I'll tell you, because like I, one of my favorite things is riding around Houston late at night, seeing if there's any breaking news stuff to catch. Uh, so there's been no lack of opportunities. It just hasn't happened. Of yet. course, man, you're surrounded by rich white people. What do you expect? <laughs> uh, you should come to Third Ward sometime. <laughs> do, you hit, uh, do you hit up the scanners though for stories? Like oh, you mean police? like police scanners and stuff yeah. like that? Yep. Well, I mean, there's the open one, but they flip channels for various reasons and whenever things get escalated. So you can, you know, you can get lucky, but uh, they'll use very specific channels for when shit gets real. Gotcha. Right. There's also the, uh, like, poxag stuff, the pager messages. I yeah. don't know if they use them. Really. And, and yeah, and to be honest, um, I mean, back in 2013, maybe before 2015, I was uh, hitting the streets and more interested in doing uh breaking news level stuff uh so i would keep track oh fires fires are the main yeah, thing to look sure. out for especially around 2013 when the texas wildfires were so big because that hadn't rained in so long mm -hmm. fires were happening even in the 610 loop of houston where it's mostly buildings um so yeah i'd be all over the place looking for the next fire that would happen um these days however i'm more interested in things that are going on you know culturally speaking at uh events shows bars artistic scenes and things of that nature nighttime wise and then daytime wise it's all about what's going on with the state of houston's industry so uh kind of piggybacking off the question that you were just asked about uh being in fear has there been a time where you've been on a story where you can feel like there's something really big and sinister going on kind of i don't want to say conspiracy theory but kind of like just it goes deep like there's some kind of government stuff going on that you you have to back away from uh i wouldn't say back away from i've i've hit a wall a lot of times where i could tell that there is uh, a bit of a scandal um, to give you an example, um, at when I was a student reporter, there was a situation where we had a uh, dean of a certain department resigning, and it was unexpected, and there was a lot mm. of gossip going about it, going 
and around about why he was resigning. And I had another dean tell me, uh, who was, you know, I had like made friends with this dean, and he was like, oh, it was a misappropriation of funds, and the guy was basically misusing um, this and that. And I, I was like, I went to that other department, and I was like, I want to talk to the dean. And they're like, no. And I was like, shit. Because, uh, like, <laughs> other than they weren't going to tell me, he wasn't going to talk to me, right? right? And I was trying everything I could within the um, requirements, what you're allowed to do in your capacity as a uh, ethical journalist to do. Mm. And I just kept hitting the wall. And so the story died because too much time had passed. And it was just unfortunate because, uh, you know, that would have been one of the times where you know that you would have been like, not exactly recognized, but you would have felt good that a you know student reporter breaks story on this yeah, right. uh, you know thing happening, this corruption, and I just hit a wall because a inexperience and b if they're not going to talk about it, they're not going to talk about it. There was no database to hack, there was no mm. email to get into. It was just the wall, and so, you, you got to ask yourself how many times has that happened? A mm. lot. Oh, really? A lot. Well, well, I mean, I mean in, ter so... in terms of there's there's not always some clue missing that you can just uncover and it, there it is. It's not, you know, it's not like some uh, script in a movie or a video game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, do you find that that happens more often than not then? It sounds like it kind of does, especially if you're playing within the boundaries. It sounds like that's unfortunately a big part of it. Well, I mean, but that's the beauty of uh, the blending of hacking, or I should say leaks at the very least, and where journalism is now because... Uh, you take the Panama Papers, for example. Mm -hmm. um, the Panama Papers is what I would say mm -hmm. a much better example of uh, leaks leading towards investigative journalism that led to something else. Whereas um, Snowden's leaks were all these documents that Glenn Greenwald then and other journalists tore into and turned into stories. Whereas the Panama Papers was uh, essentially a lot of breadcrumbs attached to a lot of threads. And journalists had to pull on those threads and follow those breadcrumbs, and those led to other stories. And those uh, other stories didn't just happen overnight. There was a lot of extra legwork. There was opening up Excel databases that they were making and compiling and you know filtering. There was uh, FOIA requests happening. There was all this extra work that happened because of that initial leak. Um, and that's what usually has to happen is all this extra, you know, not even by one individual, just teamwork of journalists uh, coming together and just spending hours upon hours upon hours about uh, pouring over things. And it's some things can take hours, some things can take days, some stories could take six months as the uh, investigative reporters and editors, uh, Iyer, will tell you. There, there are some mm -hmm. six-month stories that took six months just because that's how much data there was to chew through. That's how much time it took to find that one source that you had to find. Well, there's been a few stories um, over the past few years that I know, uh, within my heart, I know died just because there was so much of a, of a dump truck of data to go through. Um, so how do you tackle something like that? Do you do you try and get resources allocated or you just end up taking it on yourself and kind of piling through every night? Um, I mean, as as an individual, you have to essentially assess whether or not you can chew through it on your own. And there's there's mm -hmm. ways of doing it, obviously. Um, you know, a lot of the the one of the immediate things that people point out or that other reporters especially investigative reporters data guys data journalism of course not being a synonym with uh say hacking or journalism of a tech variety but um excel sheets save you a lot of trouble uh and and just because you know how to run an excel sheet and you know a few formulas that does not make you a hacker it doesn't even make you a data journalist but if you can run an excel sheet just so that you don't have to um spend as much time 
uh, then you're you you're already got a leg up because consolidating your time, time is your most valuable aspect as a reporter because the story needs to be timely. Not every story is an evergreen, and especially not stories that are hard hitting that are of an investigative nature. So yeah, if you know that you can use uh, simple things like Excel sheet or hell, even um, just data visualization tools like uh, Tableau or uh, Click or any of things of that variety to make it easier, then go for it. And if you know you can do it, then do it. And if you've got backup from uh, colleagues, then all the better. Right on. Very cool. So one of the questions that I had for you that I, I kind of want to save for later because I know it's kind of broad, but I wanted to touch a little bit on, so we, we talked about how you get your sources from, you know, like unsuspecting channels because of the ways that information is now disseminated. But how do you as a journalist approach um, like intentionally deceptive news and content that is spread really quickly? So we talked about the memes and, uh, you know, like shooters and, you know, incorrect stuff. But what about the active campaigns that people do specifically to disseminate false information? I, I I was waiting for uh, that special keyword fake news, but I didn't hear it. Uh, well, I mean, everyone says that. <laughs> if people say yeah. people say fake news, but it's not even about that. It's more of like the, like there are active deception campaigns that governments put out, and they, they have for, for as long as there's been news. Uh, but the fact that we have so many um, platforms to to go through and so many bubbles of right. people in, it's just like I've been wondering how journalists actually approach that um sanely without losing their mind that like you know hey i'm the real story it's like how do like you know if somebody right. you're telling the truth but somebody else is believing whatever weird website they're on all day yeah you know just it's difficult to well, get across people this is my this is one of my favorite things to talk about which is um the most important thing in today's world if you want to be a reporter who has a job um, it's not your ability to write stories. It's not your pedigree. It's not uh, clips or anything of that nature. What makes you a good reporter at this point is your ability to digest large amounts of information, hence why you should be able to churn through headlines that are breaking uh, or go through Excel sheets of data. It's also your ability to parse through information that somebody's giving you. So um, if you see a headline uh, or if you see something on Twitter about, oh, this is happening, you should be able to very quickly uh, see if that makes your BS meter go off the charts. If somebody's talking to you and they're like, hey, I'm the story, or, oh, I've got this information for you, you should see clues uh, about whether this seems shysty or not. And it's not so much intuition. You know, there's physical clues there. There's uh, verbal clues there. And that's something that obviously you learn over time. But that's also something that um, training should be able to give you. A lot of, uh, a lot of, and this, oh, God, I can't believe I'm saying this. Uh, a lot of uh, liberal arts degrees, such as political science um, or or uh, psychology, will teach you the skills to go through large amounts of information and to use uh, just critical thinking to say, well, this doesn't seem plausible, and let me test that. And if you don't have that sort of background, fuck's sake, just use Snopes. Snopes will call BS immediately on several things that are breaking, and it takes very – and they will cite their sources for why something is BS. I mean the, the best example I can give are those freaking – FEMA coffins that several people would send to me. And they're like, hey, but what about these FEMA coffins that are going, yeah, they're after the hurricane? I was like, 
what i was like all right so let me just destroy that with one sentence why would the government put everybody in singular coffins that they're going to kill instead of just putting them in a mass grave why do they care uh, people are yeah, so just, dumb they're no so but that's my point dumb. it's like it takes five seconds of critical thinking to yeah. go hmm that seems like nonsense <laughs> It's just work it's, on your critical thinking skills. There's lots really, and lots of exercises. Lots of exercises. It's so frustrating. It really is. Yeah. But yeah. that's the point. It's like with experience, you will learn with critical thinking skills to go, this doesn't seem proper or this doesn't seem legit. I will do further testing to verify. It's just the good old-fashioned scientific method. I think that and also looking at the site that it's being sourced from. Too. Oh, yeah, definitely, because like, that doesn't take much at all. Bob'sBlog.com. Uh, okay, yeah, no, we're not. Oh, and, 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 and not, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to contradict myself. I'm not saying that a small website or a small blog no, won't I'm have important saying. information. It will. You just have to make sure whether it passes the smell test. Yep, exactly. And yeah. I, I can give you one more example of that. Um, there was uh, Ryan Riley. Uh, he was a reporter for the Huffington Post politics. He got infamous in uh, 2014 during the shooting of uh, Michael Brown and Ferguson. Uh, he posted a picture on Twitter, and he was asking people to tell him what caliber these rubber bullets he found on the ground were. Um, I don't know if this rings any bells with anyone. He he had taken a picture of uh, earplugs. This yeah. is like the greatest thing I've ever seen in a long time. It made me laugh so hard when I saw that. Wait, yeah. he was saying that they were rubber bullets? Yeah, these yeah, couple of like... I think I recall seeing that, dude, the orange one. Yeah. Right? right, yeah. And I mean, like, all right, so I get it, right? He's 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 never uh, worked on site of a construction uh, job before, so he has no idea what earplugs look like. But uh, he, made, he made his credibility look bad, and by effect, he made the credibility of other journalists look bad because here we have a reporter whose job is to educate other people, and he does not know what earplugs look like. And not only that, but he was like, oh, these must be rubber bullets because obviously the police love to shoot rubber bullets at people. They and love so shooting that, everybody. Yeah, yeah, so like that made a lot of waves. And I mean, I'm, not, I'm sure by now he's probably lived that down, but like that's on the internet. It's never gone away. So anyone who knows him from that will forever know him as that rubber bullet dude. Bullets? You want some rubber bullets? You want some yeah. uh, some bullets to put in your ears to protect? Oh come your on! It was, uh, uh, uh. it was funny. Don't lie, it was funny. Oh, it was funny. I just don't. I mean, in, in his defense, in his defense, <laughs> he was asking people to confirm that those were rubber bullets. It wasn't that he was legit yeah. saying they were. So. Yeah, but that's a cop out, you know. <laughs> people people frame things like that as, "Hey, yeah. could this be blah? when they?" I, know, I mean, I don't want to completely condemn him. He was asking a question, yeah. and my number one advice is question everything. Yeah. All right. Well, I. Hey, that's a good tagline. I like. Yeah. It. If if your mom says she loves you, ask your dad. Get a second source. <laughs> wow. Fuck, dude. That's deep <laughs> as fuck. Oh shit! That's funny. <laughs> So uh, what kind of projects are you looking to get involved in or, or you know, anything like is there, are there any things that you want to start covering more or, you know, I just kind of want to know what your what your plans are because you seem like you have got you've done quite a bit of this sort of reporting, but you have the, the mindset to do a lot of other crazy things. I don't know. <laughs> um, That's a weird well, question. I... So. No, no, no. I, you know, it's um, from a forward-looking st standpoint. I, 
you know, I'm a I'm a patron of Houston. Uh, I've been here since Hurricane Ike. Uh, Houston is very is is growing uh, both in size and prestige. A lot of people are starting to pay attention to Houston as a um, both from a business standpoint and cultural. Um, not only because Anthony Bourdain came by here last year, not only because GQ said that we're the new capital of Southern Cool, but because we are literally becoming a force, and um, that that is making screwed. Houston. Yeah, uh, we we're becoming uh, this this changing force. And uh, there were a lot of times when I was asking myself, did I want to try to, you know, go to um, a state level or a national level? Um, but to be honest, I'm, I'm perfectly happy continuing to cover what's happening in Houston. Um, and both, you know, from my day job as a business standpoint, and both from a cultural standpoint, just to archive the things that are happening over time. And whatever that turns into is what it turns into. So um, from a practical standpoint, I just try to take things uh, from a day by day and week by week basis. My my least favorite question in job interviews, other than why are manhole covers round, is where do you see yourself in five years? Because that is there are so many variables in how that could go down. Shoot, man, a couple more hurricanes. Uh, it doesn't really matter what happens in five years from now. <laughs> that is very point. true. I see you've uh, interviewed at Google at some point. I appreciate yeah. that's a Google question for the manhole. Yeah. Well, manholes are round too, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's been uh, pretty eye-opening, man. A lot of, a lot of good stuff in a real small amount of time. I'm sure this is just the tip of the iceberg too on that whole uh, career and that that path. So where do you see oh, yeah. yourself in five years? Yeah. Sorry, I had to. Go well, ahead. hopefully, uh, hopefully, still in what? What year is this? 2018, 2023. In the ground. Um, it's like yeah. Twenty ninety nine or something. Well, five years from now, allegedly, blockchain will be well on its way to becoming the new way that most businesses conduct transactions. So it'll be maybe I'll be a blockchain reporter. Who knows? Uh, do you think <laughs> McAfee is he eating his dick or not eating his dick? <laughs> <laughs> I think. That's a bit, uh, I remember I mean, last time I uh, last time I noted him on Twitter, he was uh, almost getting extradited from uh, somewhere in Latin America, but it? Yeah. it was a couple years back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a great tutorial on bath salts uh, the other day, so <laughs> check that one out. Yeah, Promising. I remember when he when he uh, when he the whole court thing was happening because my immediate thought was, man, his trial period has expired. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, awesome. Well, yeah, thanks for talking to us. This has been a really awesome talk. I was really impressed with the whole way that this um, came out because it's like, you don't really think about the ways in which reporters have to approach certain problems that have to be what I would say as the hacker mindset is something that is creative problem solving and trying to, you know, as you said, parse a lot of data and figure out the important parts because you can right. look at whether you're, you know, trying to figure out the source of a of an issue in a you know a stack trace, or you're trying to go through a million headlines and notifications and you know sources of information and figure out what is the relevant info that you need to actually do something about it. Those are very similar. Um, so it's really cool to, to hear you apply that. Yeah, and one last comment. Um, you know, from the larger national or global level for journalism, there's a lot of criticism that. Journalism has been defanged in that either either journalism is now you know just fake news or uh, paradoxically we are in the pocket of the government we just write what they tell us to write and so if that is true which I don't entirely believe it is um, luckily we have hackers who have no qualms about uh, obtaining and leaking documents to make sure that people are informed so yeah oh yeah real quick uh, did you have anything else about the 
specific, um, like the ethics aspect about um, where journalists get their sources from. Like, have you ever been given information or know anybody who's been given information that was got, was obtained through less Illegal questions? methods? Yeah. Yeah. How well, do you, I mean, you report my... that journalist? It really depends on what state you're in. For example, in Texas, I'm allowed to record somebody without their permission. So if I if I can do that, I typically will because it's a lot easier to get information you need from someone without telling them you're recording them. And I'm not recording them to do a gotcha. I'm simply doing it because my brain and my short-term memory is scrambled, and it'll be way easier for me later on to yeah. simply listen to it again, right? Um, so I can get away with it here. Other states aren't like that. So um, there's a lot of uh, things that are um, questionably ethical. There are things that are unethical. Uh, and if someone else that came by and they said, hey, I've got this information for you. By the way, I obtained it illegally. Uh, what I really have to do at that point is I'd run it by my editor. The editor would either say yes or no. And if they say maybe, it's probably because they're running it by you know their editor or someone else who's higher up or through uh, you know the or lawyer or someone along those lines. I haven't had that happen specifically, but there have been a lot of times when I've had to back away from something because I was like, you know, this is really questionable. I don't know if this is legit information because all I have is your word. And I know that you are both vested, involved, and somewhat biased against that person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, from a larger level, I have not hit one of those sorts of situations where somebody's giving me something that has been, uh, I, I haven't had a Chelsea Manning give me leaked documents. I can tell you like that. Okay. So I guess there's a couple of, sorry, uh, just, I guess there's a couple of things that you just, you've mentioned throughout the show that maybe are some takeaways for some, uh, hackers that I, I don't want to hurt your cause, but also want to, want to help some, uh, some probably, half drunk hackers out there that uh, <laughs> if you're talking to a journalist while you're at that conference and you're in a state where that they, uh, they can record you without telling you, um, you might want to think twice about what you say, regardless um, of Las and how drunk yeah, you might and be. I will say, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Las Vegas is also a state where uh, you can record someone in that party as long as one of those parties is aware they are being recorded. The other party does not have to be aware. And obviously, DEF CON is held in Las Vegas, so keep that in mind. Yep. That, I would that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Nevada resident, that's true. I'll see you at reInvent, you fucking journalist. <laughs> now, see, here's here's the thing. Um, uh, reporters, uh, or I should say, uh, hackers in my in my mind, I, um, I've interacted with them here in Houston. I've been to DEFCON twice now, so I go out of my way to to regard hackers with respect, especially if I'm I'm talking to them. So, I do that. I can't verify that other reporters do that. Always, you know, tr treat reporters like lawyers, which is um, with with a healthy level of uh, respect and skepticism so and, and contempt. Sorry, it's, it's treachery. <laughs> no, yeah. lawyers, did you guys? We need lawyers. Did, did you guys see the uh, the motherboard article on the Monero party at Vegas this year? Oh no, God, sure. I missed the Monero party too. I was so mad about that. Well, uh, yeah, you you would have had some. There was me there in the was video. Right. I was okay. at 801. I think they both ended at the same time because people were going too hard. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I say, I'll say this. I was, um, I was particularly happy about Sky Talks uh, this year at DEF CON because I was privileged enough to get to interview uh, um, Blue Knight. And, uh, you know, they didn't have to let me talk to him. Uh, and I know that they've had shifting uh, 
rules about the press's role at Sky Talks because Sky Talks are off the record. So um, that was a treat. And also the uh, social engineering village because social engineering is the one aspect of hacking that directly relates to my ability as a reporter. Like reporters have to be able to socially engineer um, as, as many people do in their various jobs and industries. That's very true. Well, the DVD uh, thing touched the corner, by the way. Hmm? <laughs> what was it? It just touched the corner. Did I miss it? Did I miss it? God damn it. Oh, uh, uh, was there another one? All right. Well, last last add to add uh, addition to this is Shell. Wow. Um. <laughs> hey, so, uh, real quick, did you want to uh, plug your your anything or any sites? Oh, who me? I uh, I think I, I covered all my bases. So, um, okay, right a Dead Dialect is the uh, podcast that I write news stories for. Uh, best podcast in Houston is voted by uh, Houston Press, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, <laughs> Are you a member? Yeah. Of <laughs> um you can uh nope. well you can also find if, if you're interested in, in keeping track of me uh yeah i go by nadia on twitter and instagram nadia underscore um yeah and other other than that uh you know it's um it's basically just uh just um my my day job which i i really wouldn't cite because i would have fear of being called into the office the next day and having my editor say what the hell is thug crowd so, yeah. Well, ask him to come on. Yeah, I'm about ready to send these talks well, to my CEO. He's been asking me about blockchain for like years. I yeah, think it's interesting that we're still talking about it in this day and age. And like I was saying earlier, Pete, well, I mean, PII and having it like as a real use case is going to be something yeah. that's set in stone. So, keep in mind the timeline. It's been ten years for blockchain as it applies to cryptocurrencies, obviously, because the 2008. Bitcoin white paper. Uh, the financial industry got in in 2013. They've had five years to chew on it. Uh, mm. The oil and gas industry is still in the infancy stage. So everybody's got their own starting point. Yeah, we appreciate that. We've got our tickers down the corner there for a reason. Uh, IBM seed to sale cannabis. Whoa. Yep. <laughs> It'll be going up with Iran. Oh, yeah. So. Um, thanks everybody for joining. Uh, next week we are going to be talking with Joseph Hall. Thanks, RQU, for this, by the way, um, about election hacking, um, which I'm really excited about. Um, and until then, I guess we you know hit us up on Twitter uh, at ThugCrowd. We have all of our social media at the bottom there. Uh, oh yeah, our Patreon supporters. Um, Hell yeah! Uh, thanks, guys. By the yeah, way, yes, thank all of you for. Being Patreon supporters, anybody who is a Patreon supporter will be getting the uh, CLSSP uh, sort uh, us out. Uh, we'll be designing this soon. Um, but our Patreon supporters are Chris Wallace, Harmony, Mel Cookies, Rob Poners, and Sterling Archer. Thanks, guys, for being on um, being on our team and helping us out. And also, who um, it's weekend hack. That I am for anybody who wants to get involved in our CTF stream that is in almost a month. Yeah, November um, coming up. Um, so yeah, we're still um, taking people if they want to be a part of it, and we will be organizing the actual infrastructure for it and putting that information out to everybody very soon. So yeah, um, until then, thanks everybody. Thanks guys. Yeah, thanks for being here. Peace, hey, guys. guys. Do your thing and leak all the shit. Me. <laughs> Later. Bye.